Hello and welcome to the Round Review brought to you by Footy Life and Sportsmates. And Round 7 is now in the books. And what a round it was, boys. And to unpack it all with me as I do every single week, Gordon Hunter Meredith and Nick Guglielmino. Boys, last week I asked you for one word to describe Round 6. Have you thought about it this week? Give me one word to describe this action-packed round. Nicholas, you're first. Uh, Unpredictable. Unpredictable. I think Gordo said last week was predictable. <laughs> this week's unpredictable. <laughs> Gordo, what would have you chosen? I would, would have said uh, slippery. Slippery? Slippery. Why slippery? Hard to get a hold of, mm. hard to, to pick up, hard to control. That's another way for predict- unpredictable, really, but, you know, yeah, it's going to be a bit more choose, a bit more avant-garde about it. So, yeah, yeah, no, slippery. I like it. It was slippery, as, of, uh, as are you, Gordon, a very slippery character. Um, you're hard to read. Had to grab a hold of. I want to know who your hero is. Well, speaking of slippery, someone who the West Coast Eagles <laughs> couldn't uh, get a hold of on the weekend was Jaden Shaw. So that's mm. where my kudos and shout-outs and hero goes because, you know, listen to Kang Corns, Wham one, Richmond were cooked. Mm. Now, ahead of round eight, well, apparently Richmond can beat anyone on their day. Is that so what he there said? You go. That's what he said. He came out after the game and said, that game has proved that Richmond can beat anyone on their day. I don't know what's changed other than they played a waffle side, but that's okay. And that's the caveat here for Jaden Short is they weren't playing much. It was a very disappointing performance from West Coast. But what was good to see was Richmond haven't just, you know, pressed. They've seen the red pen's gone through them. Nico's ruled them out. Time to rebuild. They say, no, our players here are good enough to play multiple roles, to fill multiple positions. Yes, we've got no Dusty. Yes, we've got no Cochin. Jaden, your turn to roll to the midfield this week. Hey, you don't have to be dusty. Don't go get contested possessions. Don't be something that you're not. Trust your skill sets. Don't get any tats. Don't get any tats. You're a clean operator. Mm. Clean ball use. Get it forward. Do what you always do, but just do it slightly further up the field. Have a bit more impact. Have a lot more impact. 30-odd possessions. Loads of score involvement. It's just a great performance. And it just shows that, you know, sometimes you have to back in who you've got at your club. You don't have to rebuild. You don't have to blow it up. You don't have to trade in or go to the draft. Just get some other players to step up, fill a void. That's what Jaden Short did, and he deserves a shout-out for that. Well done. He's your hero. He was my hero as well on Friday. I was very excited. Um, Nico, I know he'll say don't get too excited because it is West Coast, but the thing that was pleasing, especially for Richmond fans, was that they carried it on after halftime. A lot of the times we've seen in the past that Richmond will win a game in the first two quarters and kind of uh, take the foot off a little bit, but they didn't. And to win by over 100 points was very pleasing. And to kick 165 points was even more pleasing. So it was good to see players back in form. It doesn't really matter who it's against. It's nice to see them. I mean, Lynchy kicking a bag is always good. Shea Bolton played well. And Jaden Short, like you mentioned, a lot of questions have been over Richmond's depth, especially in the midfield. So for him to come into that role, thought it was a great move from Dimmer. Uh, Fantastic. But we did, I mean, it it was a shocking game for the neutral, obviously. I mean, by quarter time. It was over. Uh, by quarter time, they'd taken eight marks inside 50, which you don't see often, and uh, 15 inside 50s for 10 scores. And by half time, 76 points were scored from turnover, which was the most ever recorded up until half time. And it was pressure from Richmond, but geez, it was woeful kicking from West Coast, wasn't it? I mean, uh, you hadn't seen anything like it. And it's not just the players that they had, because there was no. Uh, will to win or to even mm. fight back. I mean, I think there was one act after half time. I think it was straight away in the in the, uh, in the midfield. I can't remember who it was, but I thought, oh, well, maybe West Coast are trying to make a statement and come back, but they just couldn't do anything. 
Uh, this is a team, you know, void of confidence or any inspiration. And we have seen in the past that there's been question marks over their uh, their mental strength. They haven't showed much of it this year. And yes, we can blame injuries. We can blame COVID. But you look at two clubs who are based in Western Australia, Fremantle and West Coast, and look at the difference there. I did hear an interview with uh, Andrew Brayshaw a few weeks ago. I think it was two, two or three weeks ago. And he said at the start of the season, we made a commitment to each other and said, you know, some teams' goal is to to make top four or to do this. Our goal is don't get COVID. Let's be let that's their goal. And to be professional as they can be, to stay indoors sometimes. They know it's a different environment in Western Australia than it is all around Australia, but they've accepted what it is and they're fighting on. And it looks very, very different to what West Coast are doing because the, exclu- the excuses that are flying out from mm. supporters, I mean, Adam Simpson doesn't give too many excuses, but it's kind of oh, poor us from the start of the season. It was blaming a few people and playing the victim card. Um, it's just horrible for West Coast. I'm sorry, went on a bit long there, but I am very passionate about that opinion. <laughs> Nicholas, uh, you give me a hero because I've spoken enough. Um, my hero, Jimmy, for the week was Lockie Neal. Now, this was this Brisbane-Sydney game was probably the biggest game of the season so far in terms of two premiership contenders um, battling it out. Um, and I don't think, well, not many people backed in Brisbane at the start of the week either um, because of that SCG record, including us as well. Mm. Um, but, you know, they go into this game not having won there since 2009, um, yeah, I guess the winner as well, you know, would be uh, highly considered for the premiership. So there was, there was a lot on the line, I think, and locking Neil as well going into the game. Um, he, he was the big, the, the main reason why Brisbane uh, did get the win, in my opinion. He, he was the main catalyst in that performance, 37 disposals. Um, it was a scrappy game, um, not a lot of free space um, is what I meant. But 26 contested possessions. He led the way. 25 pressure acts, nine yeah. tackles. He was just in and under all all night. And um, 11 clearances to go with it. And also a goal. And, I mean, it's a bit early to be talking about Brownlow favourites. But I think him and Cripps are probably mm. leading the way by some way right now. Um, yeah, I think it's a two-horse race at the moment. Mm. Yeah, very well done. I agree with that. I won't go on too much about the game because it is coming up later in the uh, on the rundown. So, but just quickly on him, uh, mm. oh, he's just, yeah, he's fantastic. The thing I like the the most about this uh, Lockie Neal performance is well, first off, the second quarter he set up the win, like you like you mentioned there. But there were question marks about his commitment at the start of the season because he was having a look at Western Australia and and, and moving off and mm. going, oh, is he going to perform anymore? He doesn't really care about the club. Well, just have a look at his form and what he's done there. And that goal as well, that moment when he did kick the goal. It was something out of nothing. It was straight out. And like you mentioned, those 26 contested possessions, he did mention at the end of the game, actually, they wanted to make it a scrap on purpose because that favoured them over Sydney, especially on that ground. Um, but the question marks about his commitment, the same for the guys like you know Josh Dunkley and Rory Lobb. And they've, they've performed, haven't they? Especially this weekend. We saw Dunkley against Essendon and then yep. Lobb, what he's been able to do. So I like that one. He's my hero as well. And, and Gordo, you were nodding furiously there. You obviously agree. Yeah, I just think uh, you know. Finally, we're realizing that the the professional sport is is just that they are professionals, and mm. yes, they want to do things for their family or do things for themselves. So they request a trade, and if the trade doesn't go through, they don't just crack the sads and say I'm not going to play. They have personal pride, personal responsibility, as well as team responsibility. So 
Lockie Neal wants to be a good player because he wants Brisbane to win games, but also because Lockie Neal, if he does want that trade in the future, well, he wants to be worth something. So he's going to play well for himself as well for his club. So it makes perfect sense. And to see him transform a little bit from, you know, a super coach stats pig that got a lot of the ball and didn't impact the game as much as some other players to now being both a stats pig and a very impactful player shows mm. how important he is to Brisbane. And as you said, is it too early to talk about Brownlow's? Never. Never. Round one, we're talking about Brownlow favourites. Oh, so he's about. definitely there after round seven. Yeah, he is. Uh, I like how much you mentioned Supercoach now as well. You are definitely addicted to it, which I like to see. You and Nico, loving your Supercoach scores, and we'll, I'll ask you about that later. Or maybe on Thursday, we'll save it for then. Paddy Cripps is my hero for the weekend, and he was another one that Nick just mentioned there as a Brownlow favourite. In in four of his five games, he's been best on ground, <laughs> without a doubt. Yeah. Uh, so he, he could have polled 15 votes already. Uh, it, unbelievable. I know it's against North Melbourne, but the, the amount of – I mean, he wins clearances, contests the ball. Um, he puts them on their back all the time. Every time Carlton look like they're struggling a little bit, eh, get on my back, I'll go and take you through. And that's what he did, 35 disposals. One goal, 11 score involvements, and 10 clearances. It was against North Melbourne again. We will put that on there. But Paddy Cripps, uh, you don't see other other players other than maybe Lockie Neal doing this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Question, though, to ask you boys, is uh, Clayton Oliver or Paddy Cripps, who would you take? Uh, mm. Paddy Cripps. Mm. I, I, he, yeah, I just think he's more impactful going forward. Clayton Oliver, I thought Paddy Cripps dropped off a bit, but this season he has just come out a refreshed player. And, yeah, I think, like I said earlier, I think he's probably in the top three best in the comp alongside Lockie Neal. Are we picking them, like, right now as they are or, like, when they go back to, like, being the same age? Right this second. Who would you pick? Right this second. uh, I'm going Clayton Oliver. Wow, really? all right. Okay. Well, just because we said the start of the season, we weren't sure Christian come back to return. Like, he's one injury away from being done forever, which is oh, every player, I understand. He, but. He, I like, yeah, he has carried Carlton on his shoulders for uh, another like years. five years. So I think one down year, we can afford him to yeah. give him the benefit of the doubt. And it would be very interesting to see, like, them swap. Like, if you swap those two players... Does Oliver play as well as Cripps has in this Carlton side versus, and is Cripps a far better player being surrounded by the Melbourne Guns? But that would be a very interesting thing to see. Probably not, to be honest, I don't know. It's a, it's a tough one, but I think Cripps is just the all round better player. More, all, yeah, more of an all rounder, I think. Mm. Well, he was one of the many highlights. There were a heap of highlights on the weekend. Uh, it was not our tipping, though. I will admit. Um, you boys, did you end up tipping Gold Coast? Because it was yes, my upset. Yes. I, I decided not to go with it in the end. I did go went for the pies, luckily. <laughs> um, but I did convince you boys to do that. So you were uh, very upset with me. But, Gordon, you did tip Fremantle and you should I be did. very proud. And that was probably your highlight, I'd say. Uh, definitely. The Purple Haze is here to stay. 2-2, the train's left the station. And if you didn't catch that V-line out of Cadinia Park, then you've missed out. You've missed out. The band is full. There's no more room left in that purple train, baby. Mm. They're definitely playing finals this year. And it was just a great thing to see. They stuck to their guns. We said on the the Friday pod, it's like, is it possible for Fremantle to lock this team down to around about 10 goals? And the answer was yes. And ironically, you know, Geelong tried to beat them the same way they beat them last year. And they beat them convincingly last year over in the West by playing chip-to-chip football, controlling the football, doing everything that Geelong does against Fremantle for the last couple of years. 
try to do the same thing last well on the weekend and it and it didn't work. Freya were mm-hmm. just a bit more energized in defense, a bit more organized, a bit more structured, and then they had the ability to flick it at go and go at pace the other way when they finally got those turnovers. And, you know, it wasn't a blood, obviously. It was a very tight game, but mm. that showed maturity. It showed poise. It's so clutch. So everything you need to win a couple of funnels come September. It was a really good, like, benchmark game for Fremantle, and hopefully they go on and run with it because it shows that they can definitely compete. Yeah, any ground, any club, any day. Mm. Really excited for their season yeah, now. Yeah, prove them. Oh, look, I, I had a little bit of doubt about Freo, I will admit. Um, I'm, full, I'm on board now. They needed to convince. I said it. If they win this, they've convinced me. And, and they mm. definitely have. And looking, you know, looking into this game, can they win there? We know uh, they haven't beaten them at uh, the Cattery in a long, long time. And included in that run was a, a game where they lost by 133 points at GMHBA. Going over there is tough. No Nat Fife, no Sean Darcy, no Matt Tabernard. You just thought there is no way they're going to be able and to instead, do this. There was no excuses. They there just was said, no excuses. Team play. Commit to the bit. Don't catch COVID. Let's go. It was unbelievable. I got to do this game, uh, fortunately, so I did watch it uh, very, very closely. I think their outside run really killed them. And Geelong do, actually, um, they struggle against teams with a lot of pace. I mean, if they get it out of the contest, bang, they just take off. And that's what uh, um, Fremantle were able to do, especially through Acres. But a massive thing here was Tom Stewart had 40 possessions, Guthrie had 35, and they still lost. I mean, there was just nowhere for them to go. Tom Stewart was fantastic in defense, but they just, they defended so, so well. And I think there was a couple of pieces of play where we saw Geelong go for the switch two or three times and not being able to go anyway, anywhere and end up in a turnover because they got frustrated and the pressure was on. And, and it just helped. In, for the second and third terms, Freo conceded one goal and three behind. That's it against Geelong at GMHBA. It is it is absolutely huge. So we know Justin Longmuir over the last couple of years, he's worked on team defense, don't concede, which he's been able to continue that, but he's also been able to uh, kick a score as well. So what a win that was. That was with the win of the season. I know the Eagles against Collingwood was pretty big, but uh, I think this tops it. Nico, you're happy yep. with it. You had Yep, uh, I'm on board. Uh, they are definitely the real deal this season. Um, six, six and one, you can't really take that off them. I know they're opening few rounds. Uh, people will say, you know, that they've had a favorable start to the season still, but, um, I'm not one to downplay a team's performance based on their opposition. So it doesn't matter if you're playing West coast, uh, waffle side or North Melbourne, a win's a win and a good performance is a good performance. And, um, Fremantle have backed that up in ev- almost every game they've played in so far. They've gotten wins on the road. And yeah, like you said, winning Geelong, uh, that top set, that's the cherry on top. Um, yeah, and y- yeah, I think a lot of people will be jumping on the bandwagon this weekend, Gordo. So, but uh, good on you for believing in them because mm. uh, believing is seeing uh, sometimes instead of seeing is believing. And um, yeah, so credit to you for backing them in. It's a, It was a good call. And yeah, like you said, Jimmy, still plenty of plays to come back in. And when they mm-hmm. do come back in, they're going to be, uh, they're going to be hard to stop actually. Yeah, definitely. I mean, Tabernard was the one I was worried most about. I thought maybe because Geelong don't dominate too much in the ruck, but Tabernard was really, he's been a key and I think he's an underrated player. So we added them all up and especially no Nat Fife. Jeez, mm. It was a huge win. It was a huge win from GWS as well, Nicholas. I think you did tip him. You might have been the only one of, of, of us three to tip GWS or did you tip Adelaide as well? Yeah, no, I, I, I said it was a 50-50 game, but I did tip GWS. They well were done, due sir. for a win. 
They were going to respond. Um, they copped a lot of criticism last week, and so did Toby Green um, in his return game back. People saying, mm. you know, he, he looked rusty. There was cobwebs. Well, that was all Gordo, I think. No, it, it was it was most footy pundits, <laughs> to be honest. And um, I can tell you there was certainly no cobwebs uh, this week in Adelaide because... It was clean as. Mate, the Toby Green show, when he's on... Um, he's the most watchable player in the AFL. I, I just love watching him play. Um, he's a highlights machine. And, um, yeah, for, I mean, four goals, but all, all the goals came in the first half when the game was there to be won. And he also took a mark of the year contender as well. So he was just – he's incredible to watch. He's an incredible player. Um, I reckon he's a top five player in the comp, to be honest. Mm. Um and yeah, it's it's the win the Giants needed. They could have easily won that game by over a hundred points. Uh, I think they took the foot foot off the pedal in the uh, final quarter. Uh, they let Adelaide kick a few goals late, but I reckon if they kept playing the way they did in the first three quarters, they could have uh, made that score look ugly. So credit to them for blowing them out uh, and finally showing us. Uh, what they're capable of with uh, with the players that they've got at their disposal. Cornelio mm. was impressive. Whitfield was back to his best. He kicked two goals. He was playing a bit forward this week. Kelly was unreal as well. Um, and big Bruce in the ruck um, kept O'Brien fairly quiet as well. So credit to the Giants and credit to Toby Green for leading the way. Yeah, it was. I mean, round his first game back, you thought maybe he's going to be a bit rusty, which he was. But then uh, I don't think anyone expected the impact he'd have this game. Uh, unbelievable. I think he hit four of the first eight goals of the game. And it was mm-hmm. the first game of the season where Jesse Hogan and, and Toby Green played together. So I guess it was no coincidence that they had more of an attacking uh, threat. And, and they showed it straight on. I mean, the game was over early on at quarter time. You thought, geez, look at this, look at this side. This is back to their, their best, their dominant best. They looked like that Ferrari team for a bit, didn't they, Nico? Uh, so a good tip uh, for you. And I think the pre- it, it does relieve a little bit of that pressure on Leon Cameron. And I did hear him speak post-game, in also an interview this morning where he did say that, um, look, it doesn't change his thoughts on what's going to happen at the end of the season, but he always knew that um, the team had it in them. So it's, it's about that consistency. And he said even he was taken aback with how good Toby Green played. Um, he was expecting him to be a bit rusty around one, but, re- but the, not round one, sorry, his first game back, but his second game back was just unbelievable. And probably for Adelaide, it just uh, it shows them probably where they are, a little bit of a reality check. Maybe we overrated them. Gordo. Nick didn't get sucked in, uh, but no, we I did a little bit. I thought, well, well, there was no signs. I didn't see any signs from GWS. So that's why I uh, tipped the Crows. But yeah, a little bit of a wake up call for them, Gordo. Are we then reacting a little bit too much to this win as well then? So well, I'm not getting into the myself. tipping segment, but like, you yeah, know, they've got Nick's... Geelong and Carlton in the next two weeks. Yeah. And all of a sudden everyone's talking about how they're back and Leon Cameron's safe and I don't all think happy they're families. Oh, safe. I never used the word safe. I just said it relieves a little bit of pressure. As I say, I think much. I wouldn't. They did that. what they they did what they should have done. Like this is a Ferrari outfit. They you know they outsped a you. Well done. Wins a win. Kicking falls great. But <laughs> I think the real challenge starts now where they actually have some pressure. And then against the Geelong side, off a loss, we know that that's basically means a Geelong win next week. So it'd be very very interesting to see if they can if they can keep it up. But yep. yeah, definitely always nice to see Toby Green in good form because he's a great football to watch. He is. He is. Just uh, now he needs to. Uh, Tone it down a little bit. Don't get suspended. Don't let your team down. Stay on the park because we want him out there. 
All right. Uh, Brisbane was probably uh, my highlight. And I'll tell you why. We did mention it a little bit earlier, but the th- Nico said 13 years they've not won at the SCG. So that was a big, big statement game. And uh, Lockie Neal said that the team wanted to make it a scrap. And that's what they did. They came there with a game plan and they won. They smacked them in contested ball. They smacked them in clearances. And that second quarter, six goals to one, 20 inside, 50s to nine. That set them up. And Brisbane are the number one side in the AFL for accuracy. And they showed why. They kicked 17 goals, 11. Um, but the kicks that they did, the, the shots at goal that they did have, um, there was that burst in the second quarter where it was really amazing. And the, and the back line stood up. Gardner, Adams, Andrews, they they shut them down. So Brisbane um, are the real deal now. I mean, I think they always were. They, they had chances with home preliminary finals, but, you know, they are good enough to win it. There's no reason why they can't. If they get Definitely. if they get a home final, you make it to the big dance, anything can happen. So I like what Chris Fagan's doing and I like what the Lions are doing. Just quickly, though, it's going to be interesting. They've been pretty healthy, I think, Brisbane. It's going to be interesting to see what happens now with Joe Danaher out. We don't know how long he's out for. Six um, weeks, I think they said. Is it six weeks? Yeah, there you go. Yeah. It'd be interesting to see what they do because they've been pretty healthy so far. So hmm. I'll be watching that one very, very closely. Uh, Gordo, I don't know how closely you watched the Saturday night games because they were overlapping, which pissed me off, to be honest. There was too many overlapping games um, this weekend. I thought it was stupid. But the Saints, did you see that game on uh, on Saturday? Was that your low light? It was my low light, and it's because, again, previewing this game, we said this is a statement game for St Kilda. It's a danger game because, you know, Port's found a little bit of form. They're ready for a fight. They have, you know, they're playing for Ken Hinckley. They're playing for that five in a row to bring themselves back to parity. And St Kilda, if they were a top eight side, even a top four side, like we thought they might be, this should be an easy kill for them. And 24 inside 50s in the first quarter looks like an easy kill until you realise you only kicked two goals. Oof, yeah, it upset Dusty as well, as you can hear in the background. And all of a sudden, the scrap was on, the game was on, and then from there, you know, Port had their dominant quarter in the third quarter. They kicked three, and that was game over, basically. Was it a great game? Absolutely not. And that's the other part that really annoys me on behalf of St Kilda fans. Think of where the, the travelling circus that is the St Kilda Football Club has gone in past times. Launceston, I can cop that. Tassie's a legitimate place to play some footy. China, Wellington... And now they've sold a game off to Kazali Stadium because, you know, they're trying to find funds or something or relevancy or whatever it is they're trying to go find by selling games. That means that their own fans can't go attend these home games, which is what footy fans want to do. And then they go play in a place that's going to be dewy and wet and totally against the, like, the suitable environments for what they, how they play their best football. They play their best football under the dome at Marvel Stadium. They should be mm-hmm. fighting tooth and nail to play as many games they can there, not traveling around the country in these you know rugby league cities where they can't even play proper football so it's a two-fold low light and it could cook their season like that's that's top four that's the difference between top four and only having one chat in the in the finals so gordon it's not when i say this but i couldn't agree with you more um no in all all honesty no that's right and i don't think we've ever seen a good game in Cairns. to be honest the conditions Mm -hmm. are shocking no one wants to play footy there this is the second time in two years let's not forget they pocket some handy dollars from going up there. But remember last year when they played Riley Thilthorpe kicking mm. over his head? That was in Cairns. Mm. That's the game they sold. Now, yes, they, 
they ne- they've got a big debt. They've got nine point five million in debt still because of the the Seaford stuff that happened last year. They cut their debt four point twenty six million. But this has happened in the past. Richmond used to do this. Richmond for a few years sold games up in mm. Cairns, but then they stopped that because they realised, look, it's not worth it. It's not worth the losses. Number one, and it's yeah. not worth. And you lost those defense. games too. I think. I remember Carmichael yeah. Carmichael after, one. Yeah. yeah, after the siren. But that's true. I mean, they worked. They did it for a couple of years. Yeah. But you've got to work out. And Gordo's one hundred percent right. They missed. They missed out in the finals by what was a game and percentage or whatever it was last yeah. year. The same thing might happen. They they might lose. They might miss out on top four by a game or percentage. They might miss out on top eight. And you've so this is a game they should not have lost. Their goal, their shooting accuracy at eighteen percent was horrendous. But in better conditions, that doesn't happen. They win that game. And it's interesting because this is not a good product to go out and play there. It's just sloppy conditions. It's humid. It's never yeah. good. No one likes the games up there. Um, yeah. So I don't like it. I think you could. You, you've got to try and and cut your losses mm. elsewhere. Like this. And is they not, use yeah. they use debt as the excuse. But as Richmond proved, what's the best way to get out of debt? Win a flag. Win a flag. Yeah, that's true. Win a flag. Get, get or, make, or make finals or play prelims or anything. But it's like that's yeah. You need to back in the system now. They think they got a premiership list. Well, then back it in. And maybe that's a contract they can't get out of. But definitely going forward, they can't play any more games in cans. Yeah. And uh, exactly right. And you ask the footy department, they'd say, you know, where 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 would you like to play your your games? They need to make up money. They'd say, well, we'd rather go, like you said, play at home. You know, don't worry about the extra money you're going to get get from playing elsewhere. Win games and long term, you're going to make it back. So, yeah, I think that's hundred percent right. I like that, Gordon. Well done, Nicholas. What have you got for us in terms of lowlights? Uh, lowlights this week, Jimmy. <sighs> I might go on a bit of a rant here, so oh, here bear with me for a second. But oh, yeah. we always do. Geelong supporters, we, we remember a couple of weeks ago after Easter Monday, um, Geelong supporters were criticising Hawthorne supporters for them booing, uh, for us apparently, booing Isaac Smith, um, mm. or most of us booing Isaac Smith, mm. um, saying, you know, it's not classy, you know, it's not respectful, um, all this because... You know, I mean, from our point of view, he left for a rival club um, to chase more premierships instead of, um, I guess, being, uh, yeah, being more loyal to the team that gave you three premierships to begin with. Yeah. But anyway, whatever, each, each yeah. to their own. Okay. Fine. Have your opinion. You know what my view is on booing. As long as, you, love you know, it. it's in good spirit of the game. Oh, you, you don't mind Go away. Just boo at anything. Yeah. But what I don't like is hypocrites. Oh, no. Geelong supporters, the ones that criticised us for booing Isaac Smith, oh, no. the same ones, go out and boo Jordan Clark at Cadinia Park. And we are talking about a young player who didn't have opportunities at Geelong, left to go back to his home state, to Fremantle, who are not a direct rival or anything to Geelong, just for more opportunities. And... He comes back to Geelong and they boo him. For what reason? Why boo Jordan Clark? There is just no reason whatsoever. If you want to boo someone, turn around, look up to the coach's box and boo the man in there because he's the one that didn't give Jordan Clark enough (laughs) games to begin with and instead gave games to 33-year-olds like Isaac Smith, Sean Higgins, uh, Luke Dalhouse, Gary Ablett Jr. over the years. Come on. That is... Get in, get in the bin. I don't like that at all. <laughs> get in the bin. I like it, Nico. Well done. I think they do boo Chris Scott. There's a lot of Geelong fans who don't even like him, to be honest. But Nico, I mean, 
you know you're getting booed when you're doing something. I think they only started booing him. I think it was like the fourth or third quarter when they actually realized he was playing a very good decent. game too. He was yeah. having a decent game and they've got, oh, hang on a minute, this guy used to play for us. Boo. So, <laughs> I don't know. I thought it was a bit tongue-in-cheek as it was for Isaac Smith. I don't know. But I think at least Isaac Smith, the reason was because of what he delivered you. You forget that pretty quickly that he won your three premierships. Jordan I Clark think- didn't do anything for Geelong. So why boo him? Why, well, why boo him for yeah, wanting to improve boo. his no, career? No, I don't like it. I don't like it, but I just... I but mean, very, Isaac very Smith, uh, you, you can find a reason. He went for, to a rival club instead of, you know, staying loyal. <laughs> There's a reason there. I think that's more tongue-in-cheek than booing a young player who's just trying yeah, to make... They were frustrated, back. the Geelong fans. And they were. They deserve to be frustrated. Um, yeah, no, not good enough. The Catters? Didn't like it. Uh, Essendon fans are frustrated as well. They're my low light. Again, I think they've been every week from at least one of us who have mentioned the Essendon Footy Club. Uh, horrendous season. They're one and six. Uh, they did have an opportunity against the Dogs, but they blew it. Um, they're 11th in the comp with the footy, 17th without it, 17th for clearances, 16th for post-clear and contested ball. They just overused the ball mm. so many times, and it just it looks like they don't know what they're doing. They're not all on the same page. Um, they had more possessions than the dogs. You know, they had the ball more. They had 39 inside 50s. That's all. The dogs had 66. They just couldn't get it in there. They were overusing the handball. Uh, they conceded eight goals from from uh, back half turnovers. Uh, there were so many opportunities where they'd, they'd give that extra handball instead of kicking long. Um, but it was just confusion. That's what it looked like. It's a disaster season. And listening to the fans, I can't talk about this too much because I don't know what goes inside the club, but the fans are mm. saying there is a cultural issue issue there and this is from the board down and a lot of people are blaming one person adrian dodora over the years but it's not just one person this is a club issue and only we look back was it last year the the start of the year when players wanted to leave even even the year before um that they want to leave the club there seems to be no direction they made finals last year they probably overachieved so it uh it didn't look as bad as it probably is but i mean now there's just it's horrendous um and the fans are sick of it so they deserve to be here in the low lights, and I just don't know what they're going to do. I mean, the pressure's mounting for Ben Rutten, and he looks void of void of questions. The thing, you know, this interested me, boys. Did you see the um, Dylan Shield was the the sub, so he was dropped right during mm. the during the week, and then he was named as the as the medical sub. Do you think if you're if you're dropped for standards, should you be the medical sub, or you won't be in the in the squad altogether? Because it does send send a weird message that. Um, I mean, he ended up playing because I had an early injury, but you, you know, you're in the change rooms and everyone's together and you're like, well, we dropped this guy because he's not committing to the team and he's not up to the standards, but yeah. he might be playing in the second quarter anyway. Does that send a bit of a mixed message? I think AFL players are smarter than what the mainstream media gives them credit for. I think they can understand that you can get dropped, but then also you want the next best player to be the player that fills in as a medical sub. Mm-hmm. And so obviously the coaching staff thinks that the next best player is Dylan Shield. Yep. Like so, that makes sense to me. But I understand it yeah, looks a yeah. bit weird when it's like, oh, you know, he has to earn his right to play a game. Well, yeah, but mm. also, you know, if they don't put him as medical sub and it's a complete rookie in there and they still get they still get smashed, well, then they're complaining about, well, why is he off in the Magoo's getting sixty touches and and then coming back in next week anyway? Yeah. Because that's what will happen because he'll have to fill in for someone that underperformed regardless. It's they're in a tough situation, and I suppose like dropping people for standards, like, is just dropping one player enough? To, to change that and how do you how do you change it like we'll be back after a quick break
question. I, I think you're right. He was a, he was the next best in, so that's why, and he might not have got in either. That was just a question that was floating around. Nico, yeah. what's your thoughts on that? And Essendon, you love uh, whacking him, so have a go. No, I totally agree with Gordo, and I, yeah, I think the next best player definitely has to be your sub, um, regardless of what point you're trying to prove. But um, yeah, with Essendon, I think they've been in our low lights every week <laughs> over the last maybe three or four weeks. Um, but yeah, it's, it's warranted. Um, the, the, I wouldn't even call this a backwards step uh, compared to last year. It's probably three or four steps backwards, uh, but it's a, it's a big game coming up this weekend. Oh, I was going to ask you about well. this. Are you, are you nervous? Yes. Are you nervous? Line in the sand. This might be, this might be the game where they get all their old heroes into the change rooms and give them a real <laughs> stir up and say, yeah. go out there and whack them. Well, yeah, yeah, it's, boys it's, down there? it's a big rivalry and it's one of those games where, you know, if, if there is a game to turn it around for Essendon, this is the week to do it. Yeah, just um, to confirm, it's, it is the rivalry against Hawthorne, not the one against North Melbourne. I know they're equally as big, but uh, no, it's the one against Hawthorne this week. Hawthorne, yep, at Marvel Stadium. Um, but if they lose, um, on the other hand... It will just make the matter so much worse for the Bombers. Um, they can't lose this game because I still think as a Hawthorne supporter, we, we shouldn't be expecting to go into games and winning. Uh, we're in a completely different uh, position than Essendon. Essendon should be challenging for finals. Hawthorne are just developing. So all the pressure is on Essendon this week. Um yeah, and if it's a good week to turn it over um, to get the fans back on your side with a big win against your rival club. Mm. But um, yeah, I really don't think they can afford another loss because yeah, we spoke around, you spoke about Rutten being in uh, a bit under pressure. Well, I think that'll get a lot worse next week if Hawks come away with the four points. Well, that's right. It'll be tough because then they've got Sydney and then they've got Richmond, so it doesn't get too much easier for the Dons. It doesn't look. Doesn't. Fantastic. Do we did we overrate Eston last year then for making finals? Because yeah. you think of like oh, one of the things that I did. in I the did. last yeah in the last period of of football since Melbourne has become more and more dominant, contested football's back in vogue, defense is back in vogue, yeah, and yeah. and basically structure is back in vogue. It's it's like the Richmond chaos football has faded out, and this more you know methodical style of football's come mm. back in, and they don't they're not good at any of that. They're ranked, yeah. what, 17th for contested football. They're ranked 16th for inside 50 differential. They're ranked probably last now for, for defence and defensive structures, if you can even measure that objectively. So maybe they are exactly where they deserve to be and maybe they were going to be like this anyway. Like maybe their list yeah. isn't actually that good. Like maybe yeah. Yeah. a desire for them to be good again has sent us over hype what they've got and what they've got actually isn't that much good. On, yeah. on paper though, people have been saying for years that, and they've added in uh, recent trade periods as well, people have been saying their midfield's one of the best in the competition on paper with mm-hmm. Merritt and Parrish and um, McGrath being a num- number one draft pick. You throw Stringer through the middle and Dylan Shield comes um, in the trade period a couple of years ago. Uh, big names, and I mean, they're big what, names that have left clubs because their clubs didn't want them. Really, like do- doggies let Stringer go, G. Lewis let Shield go. Like they're not they're not crying in their weedies over those two losses. The drafts, I reckon, actually that's very fair cop. They're good draft picks, but I feel like that's the, that's maybe that's where the standards issue comes from. You you know hmm. that you can leave. Maybe your club, and this is hyp- hypothetical. I don't have insider information. This is not sources. I'm not. Oh, that's not what you told us before the show, Gordo. Here we go. 
<laughs> but you know, if you are if you're not enjoying your football at a certain club because they want you to play a certain way and you don't want to play that way, SM seems like a club that you can go to and just play your own style of football. Stringer comes in, has an amazing game, but then he won't change his tactics week in, week out to be more defensive or be more disciplined or be more structured. The same with Shield. Like Shield hasn't changed his game and the game has changed around him. So mm. that's probably where their standards issue is, is that players can pick and choose and come here and they sound like big names and they get overhyped and then it flows down through the rest of the ranks. Oh, yeah. No love lost on Essendon, that's for sure. Um, just quickly, though, with the Tigers, it was chaos ball that they did win with, but there was a lot of defensive structure behind that. And I think Melbourne style is similar to that, is that they're, they're defensively sound, but yeah. ahead of the ball when they do win it, they surge forward really well. I just don't think Essendon have the proper um, yeah. defensive structure at all, um, and they overuse the ball. So, yeah, they're not happy, the fans. We've got a fan who's pretty happy with himself, I might add. Uh, it's Dario Casale, and he has been contributing to the show for most weeks uh, for a long, long time, and he decided to have his own segment. We've been waiting because he did mention it about a month ago, and finally he's delivered. This is what he sent in this week, boys. Jimmy, Nico, and Judas. Dario here from Buxton Real Estate in Ashburton, ready to uh, give you the brand-new segment. So, Gordo, show us some of your producer skills. And give us a drum roll. Dario's Digest. Giving you something to digest every single week. And here it is, fellas. My question of the week. Will Mason Cox play another game of AFL football? Take it easy, fellas. We'll speak next week. Wowee, boys. A lot to unpack there. A lot. First edition of Dario's Digest. Nicholas, what did you make of that? Uh, I think that name is very hard to digest, to be honest. (laughs) What uh Dario's Digest. I don't know. It's just uh, yeah, doesn't want doesn't want me to doesn't want to make me eat dinner tonight for some reason. <laughs> I just don't like thinking about other people's bowel problems. But um yeah, yeah, lot to unpack. Mason Cox, will we play another game of AFL? It's a good question. I, I don't want to say no, he won't ever play another game of AFL, but if he's not getting into the team uh, with Grundy not there, then, yeah, his future at the Pies, uh, yeah, it doesn't, doesn't, it's, it doesn't look clear mm. at the moment. Yeah. Judas, um, what do you think? Uh, you weren't going to okay. respond to that name, were well, you? <laughs> Yeah, I was just like, well, who? What are you talking about? No. Um, on the Cox issue, I, my question, why do we care so much about Cox? Like, well, we don't care this much about other, about other, you know, middling to out of fringe players. Like, she's usually left for, like, Collingwood Nuffies, but, like, everyone has an opinion on Cox. Like, it's a scourge in the game that he ever gets to play for well, Collingwood. He's, he's, he's in the public eye. I mean, because he's a big American. He gets a lot of publicity. He tweets a lot. Um, and because, unfortunately, he had a great preliminary final, um, he gets mentioned a lot. So, yeah. Well, on the weekend's performance, he played the VFL game. He had, what, 25 hitouts and three goals? Yes, it was against Coburg. He aren't much chop. But... Oh, Co- yeah, geez, Coburg. Um, no, fair enough. He didn't play well in the VFL the week before, but he kicked three goals. What do you reckon? I reckon he'll probably play a couple of games. Mm. Like, t- t- like, they're going to need tall people to go on the rug at some stage, aren't they, if Grundy's yeah. out for ages. So he'll play another game. I'm almost certain uh-huh. he's, he's going to play again. He'll, he'll play again. I, I, th- I think he's out of favour, but if uh, if they get desperate with injuries and um, yeah, in the forward line or in the ruck, then he will come in. But it's obvious that he's um, last in the pecking order 
for yeah. the rock stocks at least. I think he was one of um, Bucks's projects. So he's yeah definitely in that group of players that are getting flushed through now that McCray's yeah. in there with the reins. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, nah, I, I reckon he will play again. But, I mean, beyond this season, I probably wouldn't keep him around. He might need a fresh start, uh, like someone like Casbolt maybe, which leads to my closing questions. Is Levi Casbolt the best money ball recruit of the season? Um, he's playing pretty well for uh, for Gold Coast. He k- kicked four on the weekend, and uh, they got him basically for nothing. Um, hmm. Is he probably the best <laughs> money ball pick? Uh, I can't think at the top of my head um, who else there is there that we can consider. But you're so right; he, he was he, he's been impressive for Gold Coast, a much needed addition, as especially after Ben King went down. But hmm. Um, four goals, four could have easily had eight on the weekend. That is, there were there were a few gettables that he did miss. Uh, it's worth saying, but he kept Gold Coast in the game for the first half at least. And yeah, if it was with straighter kicking, I think Gold Coast could have even won that game. But um, yeah, fantastic um, recruit is proved to be for the Suns. Yeah, he has been. I mean, and it also, don't forget the guys, well, Brody Mychek as well, he was recruited. I think he was recruited as a fullback uh, from the VFL. And then Sam Collins, who also played, he was, and Jack, Jack Crisp, who was the uh, the steak knives in the Dane Beams deal. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jack Ginevan as well was a rookie pick, let's not forget. And then you kind of compare that to Isaac Rankin, who has not been playing very well. And he was a top pick. Mm. Was, you know, a lot expected from him. So guys like uh, Levi Casbolt, fresh start. Maybe that's what Mason Cox needs. Tell you fresh what, money somewhere. ball. Money yeah. ball. Jordan Dust Clark. Ball. Jordan Clark is who we're all well, forgetting about too. Well, yeah, we did. That's right. Okay. So he, do you reckon he's had more of an impact, Jordan Clark? Or, uh, equal impact. It's hard. Equal. Could all play different positions, but definitely as as successful this season as, uh, as Casbolt. I'm not sure if you can include Jordan Clark because I think Freo did give something up for him. I they can't did. remember what it was. Yeah, pick 15. Pick, pick, 20, pick 22. Oh, and 22. a future swap. 22. Okay. And a future swap. I think, I think Darcy Ford as well broke the record on the oh, yeah. weekend for uh, most goals. Without a behind. Keep without a behind. Yes, correct. Yeah. Gordo yeah. will have an opinion on this. Do you like them de- declaring that as a world record when the only league is in, in Australia? Rather than yeah, the league record. Yeah, well, the Americans have the World Series and the World Championship for football and the World yeah. Championship for basketball. So, you know, it is. this is the world's best Australian rules competition, the mm-hmm. AFL. So there you go. All world right. record. The second one, boys, I'd like you to pull out your uh, your phones, your, yep. uh, your footy live apps, and have a look at the ladder. Now, outside of the top eight, you tell me who will play finals. At the moment. Mm. So I'll go first as, as you get out your footy live app, but it does uh, download instantly. And, uh, you know, when you open the app, bang, straight to it. It's very quick to use. It's great. Um, actually, you download it if you haven't. You're nuts. Uh, I'm going to say Richmond and the Doggies are capable of playing finals. And, look, Richmond has uh, a few winnable games coming up. And uh, like we mentioned, they'll get Taron and Cochin and Dustin Martin back. I think they can play finals. Um, and then the, the Bulldogs, look, they've, they've won the flag from seventh before. They lost the last three games of the season last year and, and they still made a grand final. They're capable of uh, turning it around. They like playing the underdog. So I think them for me, Richmond and the Doggies. Other than that, I can't really see even Port Adelaide now. I don't think so. GWS, I don't think so. So they're the two for me. Boys, what do you think? Uh, I think I only have Collingwood dropping out of that top eight at the moment. 
which leaves one spot up for grabs. And yeah, Richmond Bulldogs. Can we ride off Port or GWS yet? Um, maybe GWS we can ride off. Um, Port, I'd still give them a glimmer of hope. Um, but yeah, I think only Collingwood can drop out of that top eight. Mm. Gordo? Uh, I love a big audacious call. I'm with <laughs> Ken Hinckley here. They're scraping into finals. <laughs> And they'll and they'll and they'll do it. They'll confirm it with a round twenty win over against against Collingwood. As and as celebration, they'll enter the MCG after going to the change rooms or wearing prison bars after entering the top eight for the first time that season. I love it. Wow. All right, Port Adelaide, beautiful. Well, Nico's already answered this, but of all the sides in the top eight at the moment, who will drop out? Um, Nico's picked Collingwood. Dropping out for me is is the Pies. I'd say. Um, yeah, that's probably it. To be honest, I think. Oh, but then I said two, haven't I? I said two make the eight from. So the it'll blues. probably have to, it'll have to be Collingwood and yeah, the Blues. Is it Carlton? I just can't. It's Carlton. I've still it's got Carlton. doubts. I've got doubts over. Yeah, but it's just it's Geelong. It's it's Geelong. That's the thing. It's Geelong. I think they'll make it. So it's probably for me. I think it's maybe Collingwood and Carlton. Yeah. Yeah. I need to see more from them. From them. <laughs> Doing. I just. Yeah. Gee, the, the Carlton member jumping off already. Yeah. After a big win. Yep. Anyone disagree? No? All right. We'll take no, that. No, I, I think, they're, they're I think the most obvious. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Uh, Nick Larkey's uh, bump, the tunneling on Lewis Young. That got a week. Is that what it deserved? Uh, no, I think you should get off. Good. Get off. Really? Why? Wow. Well, Why? what did you say? The bump? The uh, tunneling. Oh, tunneling. The okay. Tunneling. No. Oh, sorry. I thought there was another incident. Yeah, incident on the wing. No, no, the no. This was the tunneling. Um, um, he was not going for the ball at all. He's just yeah. blatantly tunneled him. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think yep. he's okay. Yeah. No, yeah. I don't like that. I don't like tunneling. Dangerous. Um, and I've actually seen it happen a couple of times this season and go unrewarded for a free kick as well, which just. Um, yeah, I, I don't like seeing it. It's really dangerous. It has some serious consequences, mm-hmm. and the uh, the suspension needs to um, needs to come, and it needs to come hard. Yeah, I reckon he should have got two. To be honest, I hate that. Like one guy's going for the contest, the other guy blatantly just bumps him out of it. On not even going for the ball. I hate that. I hate that. At least try and make him earn it. Disguise it. Get him around the ears if you want to pretend to punch the ball, but. To, you can't just do that. I didn't like it. Yeah. Gordo, are you happy with if you got two or it was one? one I'd be happy with if you got two. And then I just find very interesting sometimes what we get upset about and what we and what we don't. But like some people are saying like he deserves like three or four. I was like, well, yeah, but you can punch a bloke in the head and get less than that. So I think, yeah, one's not enough. And I suppose two is the max for, for what it is, unfortunately, although it can cause serious injury. Yep. Uh, last one from me, boys. We had a lot of crossover. We all like to watch every game from the weekend. It was nearly impossible yesterday. So we had obviously the Collingwood game, GWS, uh, sorry, Collingwood, uh, Gold Coast, Bulldogs, Essendon, Sydney and Brisbane. They all overlapped each other. Would you rather have, and it, this doesn't help when you don't have a Thursday night game, but would you rather have a Monday night game rather than the crossovers on a Sunday? No. No. I'm, no. I'm okay with crossovers. It's oh, funny okay. to think that like back in the day, they used to play every single game on a Saturday. Yeah. How wild. No. No, and it's no. funny to think that yeah. even like super successful, like super successful commercial leagues like the NFL and Premier League have crossover paloozas. It's like just they, a couple going on do. all the time. Because what happens if they, you know, the only game on is 
Carlton North. Well, that's why they've got a floating fixture for that for that reason, and they they pay so much for the broadcast rights. But we're also in such a cluttered market that you, I mean, in England, you you've got so many more for the for the Premier League at least. You've got so many yeah. more viewers that are going to watch yeah. no matter what team is on. But uh, for us, I mean, I like to watch every game. It is frustrating when they're crossing over like that. But that's fair enough. But I feel like you know, unless you're like us who are lucky enough yeah. to be paid to talk about football. The Wait, KO mini paid? of the the KO mini of the Carlton North game is is enough for yeah. me. No, fair like, enough. You know, I don't have to watch that one live. I can, <laughs> I can catch that from replay. The yeah, ads, the yeah. Uh, KO mini. That's right, Nicholas. You wouldn't want no no Monday night games for you. No, not Monday night. I've been pretty vocal about my love for Thursday night footy, and I think yep. that should be permanent. But Monday night, I just don't. No, we can't be waiting all weekends. Uh, Sunday, waiting till Sunday night for your team to play is hard enough. Let alone Monday night. That is no, it's Don't Too like it. Isn't. Don't like it. How well are you uh, coping with two games on a Friday night, then, Jimmy? Absolute crap. <laughs> hate it. I hate it. This week coming up, two games on a Friday night. As Nico says, get in the bin. I don't like mm. it. We have to have a Thursday night. Spread it out. Thursday night has to be every week. Thursday night, start yeah, your weekend I, early. This makes everything seem better, doesn't it? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. And so do you weekend boys. comes earlier when there's Thursday night. Footage. That's right. It feels like the weekend when I talk to you boys. And uh, I appreciate your company. I appreciate everyone's company who, who joined in now. And also, hashtag footy live. If you want to get involved, you send an email to james.sabo at sportsmatemobile.com or get in contact in any of our socials. If you want to do it your own segment like Dario, be my guest and uh, the boys are really upset that Frankie didn't uh, didn't contribute this week so disappointed in him but boys that means there's a lot more room and girls who are listening uh, to contribute thanks so much we'll talk to you at the end of the week to preview a massive round eight Uh, until then take care of yourselves